The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Okay, let's see what we got here. It's August 25th. That means it's uh, show 73 of the basketball offseason as we slash another vertical line in our prison wall here, my five foot by four foot corner of a bedroom that I call my office nowadays. It's, um, it's not cheap to uh to try to get space in Los Angeles. That's the really a boring lesson from all of that. But anyway, welcome to the show. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host Dan Bespris. Wednesday midweek, we are in Bespris bucket mode right now. And what I'm planning on doing today is to record basically one long show that I'm probably just going to split into Wednesdays and then Thursdays podcast. It's it's frankly it's easier for me if I can find like an hour and 10 hour and 15 minutes straight and it's not from a vocal standpoint it's not the easiest thing in the world to just talk unabated for an hour and a half with uh to yourself. But, you know, I'm crazy enough at this point. My my mind is on the fritz on a uh daily basis. So that part I think we can get over the hurdle. From the actual thought and processing standpoint, it's a lot easier for me to just kind of keep right on rumbling, I've found. So sometimes I'm like, I'm checking the clock on yesterday's podcast and we're into like minute 42 or whatever it was. I'm thinking, you know what, like this, how far do I really want to go on this thing? That's about as far as I wanted to go, but I had a train of thought going. I didn't have more time yesterday or I could have done it on yesterday's show. So today we're going to try something a little bit different, at least from my own mental standpoint. I'm just going to keep on going. And then at some point, the show is just going to break. I'll insert an outro of some kind. You'll probably recognize it when it happens, if you're if you're listening closely. And then tomorrow, you're going to get more of the same stuff. Because we're in the calm before the storm from an NBA news standpoint, summer league is over, draft, free agency, all that stuff is in the rear view. We're just kind of cooling right now while we wait for training camp, and there's nothing really going on. So, I like, the, the advantage of doing the show every day is minimized by the fact that things aren't really changing every day. Uh, it's a lot of talking to say, don't worry about it. We'll get you through this thing. Bespris Buckets. First of all, I'm Dan Bespris. That's my name. Uh, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hopefully, this is the part of the year where uh, Twitter stuff starts to pick back up again. But I think we are still, I'd say, three-ish, maybe a tiny bit more, four weeks away from that big spike. But anyway, give me a follow. Follow HoopBall at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter. And uh, I'm doing a little giveaway on Twitter today. It is related to our partnership with our buddies over at MyBookie. But uh, if you're into that sort of thing, find me on Twitter and uh, find the tweet where I listed it. I don't tweet very often in the offseason, so it shouldn't be too hard to find and reply to me on that thread as well. I want to get you guys set up and uh, we'll, we'll win some of that money together. So 
Uh, that's where we're at on everything non-bucket related. For those that listened to the last couple of shows, and I'm guessing it's most of you at this point because we're still in sort of the last stages of the diehard part of the offseason, you kind of know now where we're coming from. Yesterday, we sorted out, and this is all going to be happening in real time. I want you guys to see how I go through this stuff, and then you can kind of be a part of it. So yesterday, we talked about why buckets are necessary. And it doesn't have to be buckets necessarily. Why is a secondary list necessary in addition to the one where you just line up all of your players in the order that you have them finishing the season. So again, just to quick repeat ourselves, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because I, I talked about it for like 20 minutes on yesterday's show. List number one is the pride list, meaning that's the list you make that you hold up at the end of the year, wave that paper around, and say, look how many names I got right on my final rank board. That is the true, this is where I have these guys finishing list. List number two is the big site's ADP from whatever you're using. For me, it's generally Yahoo. I find their interface to be the simplest. So their ADPs, their pre-ranks, which tend to be pretty damn closely matched up, that's basically list two. List three, which on yesterday's show we referred to affectionately as the caching list, is the one you bring into your draft, which is taking list one, using the public perception data obtained from list two, and creating a, okay, so we know where we think these guys are finish, finishing the year, but where do we draft them based on where everyone else thinks they're going to finish this year? Where can I maximize my profit under the curve? The buckets that I use, which again, because we're still very much in the early going, we only did the first five players on the board on yesterday's show. The buckets are to help simplify the convergence of lists one and two. Creating list three on a numerical basis is extraordinarily time-consuming and, frankly, a bit unnecessary. Because things are dynamic. Things are malleable. Players come off the board at weird intervals on actual draft day. So I've found, personally, and you guys don't have to use this exact method, but I've found, personally, that using buckets, which is to say, and again, talking about it with respect to first-rounders is a little bit stupid because none of these guys are actually going to get back to you in round two unless you're at the very, very end of the first round, but we didn't, we didn't get that far in yesterday's show. If we're talking about the beginning of the first round, this is a little bit done. But assuming, like, at some point on today's show or tomorrow's show, we're going to get into the uh, the less meaty part of the draft board, then it's going to be important to know not an exact order of how we're going to be drafting these players, but rather who falls into which areas of a draft. And you can compare that third list to list number one if you ever have any confusion on the thing, but they should be, they should parallel one another, and you should probably make small markings to yourselves on guys that sort of fall into or out of particular buckets based on the data you pull from list two. This is all 
very circuitous. I know we go in circles a tiny bit, but every day it becomes more important that we fully understand why I do things this way. Again, you're the best. I would never, I, I, I don't think I even want to argue against this idea. The best way to go into draft day is to take the data from your list one, which presumably you've spent a ton of time putting this actual rank board together, combine that with public perception from list two, and create a list three that is still numerical, but it's based on where you think guys are going to be going, and you just can draft in that order. You could put that list together and you could auto-draft your team and your team would probably still be fine. Here's why I think doing buckets actually is ever so slightly better. Believe it or not, I know, this seems a little bit crazy. This is why I personally think buckets are a superior way to organize yourselves to actually having the numerical player-by-player third board. The reason I think buckets are better is because we don't always know exactly how list two is going to match up with your individual draft. Let me explain myself. If your draft, whatever league you're in, perfectly paralleled Yahoo's ADP, you could take list two, which we refer to now as the big box site pre-ranks, and you could use that information with list one, and you could have a, a perfect order that you want to draft your players based on where, with the odds of particular guys getting back to you, the strategic element, the game theory element of draft day. And if, and if everything followed those ADPs exactly, you would always make the right move based on that third list. The problem, the inherent problem, is that no one's draft goes exactly like Yahoo's ADP. So it's important to have guys in buckets because someone that you, say, moved down your board because their ADP was lower, what if that person now is drafted by another team earlier than you had anticipated? That dude comes off your board from a later area. Or, more importantly, since you go into draft day not knowing when these things are going to happen, what if you go into a draft... You know what? Here's a better way to describe it. I realized I'm, I'm like talking in loops here. The best way to describe what I believe to be the advantage of the bucket is that it can more easily accommodate different types of leagues and different types of competitors. If you're in a league where you uh you know the let's say you know the sites that the other people in your league are using you know that they're using hoopball or you know that they're using roto world or whatever like you can build that knowledge into buckets much more easily than you can build it into an actual 150 player deep rank board most of us even my, like myself included I love this stuff. I spend tons of time on it. I hope that that comes through on the podcast. And then when we win every year, it reflects back on the amount of time we put into it. But even I don't have the time to come up with a brand new rank board for every single league that I'm in. If you're in one league, fine. 
go for it. Make a make one rank board knowing exactly the site's pre-ranks that you're on, Yahoo's pre-ranks, and uh, the ranks. You can make a third a third list, or a fourth list, I should say. Uh, list one is your rank board. List two is Yahoo's pre-ranks. List three is, you know, the Brewski 150, if a lot of people in your league use HoopBall. And then list four is the Amalgam, is where you've placed everybody based on Yahoo's ADP, B150, and how many people in your league are going to be using that leg up. Great. You've now taken a lot of data, and you've put it into one list, and you've done it perfectly. And you can auto-draft that damn league, and you will kick ass. But, of course, that took you 15, 20 hours to do. And you're in four fantasy leagues, and none of them is with the same 11 other teams, and only two of them have the same settings from a uh, 9-cat roto standpoint or whatever, and the third one is a head-to-head league, and the fourth one is a points league, and all... Okay, that's a bad example. And the fourth one is an 8-cat league, or the fourth one is still 9-cat, but it's like, it's unlimited games, and one of them is weekly instead of daily. You... Who has the time to figure out what websites everyone else in your league is reading for their information for every league you're in. For me, it's probably a little bit easier if I actually wanted to go down this route because most of the leagues I'm in are with you guys. So I know you're listening to me, HoopBall, and the league's ADP, or the the website's ADP. I also have a personal league where I know most of those dudes and gals are basing a lot of their stuff on gut. I have another one that I just got into this last year. So I, listen, I'm just thinking about this from my own perspective. I'm in 30 deep, which is a totally different kind of league. Could I, do I have the time to look at the breakdown of competitors of other GMs in each one of those leagues, the league settings, what service the league is on, Yahoo, CBS, whatever, and make a brand new fourth list combining three previous lists at least list one stays the same in all of them that's your own personal one but list two could be yahoo espn cbs whatever list three might be if you're in a league where a bunch of people read roto world or versus hoopball or whatever if i if i say it takes 10 to 15 to 20 hours to make that fourth list and you're in four or five money leagues you're talking about like weeks to just make that fourth list for your draft days. That is, from a time perspective, prohibitively expensive. Nobody has that much time. Nobody. I don't care how badly you want to win fantasy. Nobody has that kind of time. So we have to find a way to simplify. If I want to win all five or six of my cash leagues... Now, luckily, two of them have the exact same settings, so that saves me a little bit of time. But then one of them is a keeper league, and one of them is head-to-head, and another one is a new head-to-head league. There's only really, like, one place I personally can save time in prep for those leagues, other than understanding that three of those leagues are 9-cat roto, and another three are 9-cat head-to-head. I need to be able to group my drafts into two very clear directions. The Keeper League is always going to have its own weird set of things because you have to just wipe a bunch of players off your board. They're already kept. But that's a pretty easy fix, taking list one and then just 
or taking list four, honestly, and then just crossing off a bunch of names. That's a pretty easy fix. You've got your head-to-head list now, you've got your roto list. That's kind of where I'm coming from. But individually, those leagues are not exactly the same. Game caps are different. Positional, positional analysis is different. On the head-to-head side, number of injured slots is different. Scoring systems are a tiny bit different. Schedules are a tiny bit different. Rules are a tiny bit different. This is why, I know, I'm, I'm 15 minutes deep and we still haven't gotten to player number six, but I actually think from a fantasy strategy element, from a theory element, this is actually more important. This is why I firmly believe the bucket method is superior. Instead of spending 20 hours a piece on two what I hope would be one-size-fits-all kind of things, or two-sizes-fits-all, I guess, here's my head-to-head like final list four, and here's my roto list four, I have the ability to create buckets that can be much more easily tailored to the individual leagues I'm in. I don't really need to know what website most of the people in my league are using. I You can peel that layer back in your prep when you're talking about buckets. Because the only thing that that does for you is that probably shifts the order of players within a particular bucket. The whole point of this method which, again, we're just sort of calling the bucket method because I don't know what else to refer to it as. Group method, that's not fun. Buckets are more fun than groups. Is to create a range of names where if the people in your league are reading a lot of hoop ball, you know the players in bucket five that are going to come off the board first. But guess what? You still have four or five other dudes in bucket five. You don't have to go to your board and rearrange 15 players to accommodate for the fact that this league is a heavy hoop ball league. And if it's a heavy roto world league or a basketball monster league, different players within the individual buckets probably flip towards the top of those buckets. But again, guess what? You don't have to remake your board because of it. And if a whole bucket gets wiped out, obviously you go to the next one, and then it's probably a good idea to have, like, here's the first guy I would take in this particular group. But another reason, I guess the, I think that point gets through, right? Did that, did that point, I'm hoping that that actually made sense. You can save yourself copious amounts of time by creating groups of players that allows you to deal with the uncertainty of draft day, to deal with the uncertainty of the other players in your league without sacrificing the accuracy of your original list one. Another reason to like buckets is that if your turn comes up and you're you're stuck with this choice, you just, I mean, you queue up the whole bucket if you want. It doesn't really matter what order you take those players in. And here's why that's important. Because at a certain juncture in your draft, you're actually going to start to look at what position certain players play. And you can actually deal with that by buckets if you like. If you look at your team and you have like 
two shooting, two point guards and a shooting guard, and you're in round four, and your turn comes up, and your favorite guy on the board is still a point guard, and you look, and inside that bucket, you've got two power forwards and a couple of centers. You can feel good about just grabbing one of those power forwards or centers. Because, what are they, one, two slots back of what you had before? It just makes it so much easier. It's not like, oh, what, who's my next center on the board kind of thing. It's, hey, these guys are all grouped together. I have choices. It just makes it easier to visualize. It's a lower-stress way of drafting. It's a lower-stress way of prep. And for those of us that are in multiple leagues, it's, in my estimation, the only way to get through draft prep without ruining your personal life. (laughs) And we can all get to that juncture because we're trying to win this thing and then, you know, we all have other responsibilities in our lives. So that's a little bit more on bucket methodology. Let's talk about where we left off yesterday. We had done what I believe to be buckets one, two, and three. Bucket one was Nikola Jokic by himself. Bucket two was Steph Curry by himself. And bucket three was Cat, Dame, and James Harden. So we pick up today with the number six player on my board. Again, this is nine cat, and that's Anthony Davis. And this is this is an interesting one because I think this is now where you start to get into a larger bucket. They do get to, they kind of max out at a certain point. Like you can't have more than 12 or 15 guys in any one bucket until you get to that last one, which is like, here's the flyers. But they definitely start to grow in size. And bucket four for me, and I'll just, I'll, I'll read the names off for you guys. Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Paul George, Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal. And I'm still sort of teetering on the edge of Jimmy Butler in that same bucket as well. So bucket four now is starting to get a little bit bigger. Bucket one had one player, bucket two had one player, bucket three had three it's important now that we begin to, to list them a little bit bigger because you start to plan a little bit. Okay, you start to plan a little bit who might get back to you because now you're talking about picks 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, basically, if we include uh, Jimmy Butler in this fourth bucket. <laughs> um, it's, again, nothing is is completely set in stone right now. I want to I want to make that very clear. We are um everything's going to move around as we get more public perception. So we're we're building the buckets right now without Yahoo's ADP data. And that's kind of why I'm teetering here on a couple of names in bucket 4. Most notably Paul George, Beal and Butler. Those are the three guys that if I find out Yahoo doesn't really like them, we could move them down into bucket five and still hope to get our hands on those dudes. But for now, they're going to be a part of bucket four. Um, the, the reasoning behind some of this, and honestly, today's show might just be bucket four when I look at the way my brain is functioning at the moment. Each of these players has their own ups, upsides and downsides. Anthony Davis, last year, couldn't, for the life of him, remember how to shoot a free throw, and on top of that, wasn't healthy. Uh, I think we have to, to some degree, assume that that was not who Anthony Davis is going to be going forward. 
I, I don't see how that's his new normal. I mean, he was number 29 on a per game basis last year because all of a sudden he was a high volume, low free throw shooter at 74%, six attempts per game. Uh, still 2.9 defensive stats, but everything was kind of down. And I don't know that a lot of that stuff is coming back besides the free throws. Although, uh, breaking down the sort of, you know, who is AD, you know, 2.3 blocks the previous year, 2.4 the year before that, 2.6 the year before that. The fact that he was at 1.6 this year was another, I think, pretty stark reminder that he wasn't healthy. So the hope there is that blocks come back into the low to mid twos and free throws get back to around 80. And then, like, that's enough by itself. We saw what Miles Turner was able to do this year. 3.4 blocks and almost nothing else on the board, and he was number 13. So Anthony Davis very easily climbs back into the first round if the blocks and free throw percent come back. Do they? That's hard to say. But he's going to be healthier this year. He kind of has to be. They'll be careful with him, but he's also going to want to be out there to kind of prove that last year was not the new Anthony Davis or the very old Anthony Davis, depending on who you talk to. So he makes it into this bucket, even though he has a fair amount of risk attached to him, largely because like, if things do break in his favor, if he has a big block year, if his scoring comes back, his field goal percent comes up with it, things like that, he could actually be a top five fantasy player. He's done it before. Jason Tatum is in this bucket, mostly because of the other side of that argument. He's the durability guy of this group. Tatum was number 15 this last year, along with Bradley Beal, by the way. Uh, Tatum, 26.5 points per game, 7.5 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 1.2 steals, half a block, three threes, 46% from the field, 87 at the free throw line. Just a really solid year. Uh, played 64 ball games on the season. Despite Boston and all of their weird COVID stuff, Tatum was pretty damn healthy. He's been pretty damn healthy through his short NBA career so far. So I would assume he's going to get to 74 games this coming year and maybe even a little bit more because I think Boston has something to prove this year. They're, to my, in my opinion, that's a team that's going to be pushing themselves. So I actually really like them from a fantasy standpoint. To that end, you may actually see Tatum get back from number 15 on a per game up to like maybe 12 or 13. And then you throw in the durability stuff and that pushes him into that fourth bucket, which is, you know, and again, for our sake here, basically ranks 6 through 12. Kevin Durant, he's very much in that same Anthony Davis situation, although I think AD actually plays more games than Durant this year, but KD is, I mean, he's he's Anthony Davis's fantasy game with the defensive stats dialed down and the efficiency dialed way the hell up. If you think... Durant plays 70 ball games. He's a steal in bucket four. Personally, I do not. (laughs) Not that that really makes any difference to you guys. I just don't think he gets to that point. But he almost can't be any lower than this because he's a top eight fantasy player when he's on the floor with opportunity to maybe even go beyond that. If Remember, this year he was only taking 17 shots per game. If that gets to 18 or 18 and a half... He's top five, probably, per game. Uh, The next four names are the ones that are all kind of maybes in this bucket. Uh, Paul George, without Kawhi Leonard, he's going to be asked to do a ton. And I know he was number 24 this year on a per-game basis. 
Well, there ain't no way he's only taking 17 and a half shots per game this season. It will be significantly more than that. I look more towards what he did in Oklahoma City when Russ was giving him 21 shots a game, basically every shot that Russ wasn't taking, and PG was number three on a per-game basis that year. He was he was a damn marvel. In fact, by totals, I believe Paul George was number two that season because he jumped over... Who the hell was it? Was it Steph that was in front of him? No, it was actually Anthony Davis that was in front of him on a per-game basis. He jumped over him and ended up just behind James Harden. Not just behind, a fair bit behind, but he was number two. I don't, do I think Paul George is going to be top three this year? No, I don't think that... I don't think that he has enough in in the tank to play 37 minutes a game and 77 out of 82 ball games. But I do think that he's going to get around 70 games this year, which will put him pretty close, maybe like one game below league average. And he's probably taking 20 shots a night again. I don't know how he gets away not doing it. Reggie Jackson, it, you know, Marcus Morris, Nick Batum. There's no Kawhi Leonard on that team, guys. Someone's going to have to take these shots, and it should probably be their best offensive player. Also, of note that year, Paul George, when he was the number three guy on a per-game basis, he only shot 44% from the field. So it's not like you need him to make this colossal flying leap forward in field goal percent. He shot 47% from the field this last season after a very hot start and a very cold finish. If he's at 46 and change this coming season, he is very much a threat to be a top six fantasy player on a per-game basis. The reason he's not firmly in bucket four is that, you know, if his ADP comes out at like 15 or 16, then maybe we can get away with putting him in bucket five as a guy you hope gets back to you towards the beginning of the second round, depending again on on when you're drafting. Bradley Beal is, uh, to me, very much in the Jason Tatum descriptor group here. He's going to get a lot of shots which is saying something because he took 23 damn shots a game this last season and he was still number 14 overall. A uh, problem with Beal is that with Russ around, his assists were never going to be all that high. He was at 4.4 assists per game after the previous year. He was at 6. Russ is gone. Spencer Dinwiddie is in. Beal's assists can very easily get back up to 6, and if he continues to take 23 shots a game, he should probably be inside the first round on a per-game basis. The fear on the Beal side is, does he play himself into an injury? Do the Wizards get eliminated from playoff contention early on? Like, do they take a big step backwards this year? It's, I don't know for sure. I think they'll be fine, but that race for the eighth seed in the East might get a little bit tougher with, you know, a team like Chicago getting better and the other teams around that eight slot not really getting worse. So you're going to have to push... Luckily, we have the play-in stuff that should keep Washington engaged a little bit longer. Uh, Beal, to me, feels like a guy that should really be inside the turn on a per-game basis, and then you're just hoping for some sort of durability there as well. And then the other two guys in this bucket, and that's probably where I'll sort of artificially insert a break point uh, in this two-parter, it's like a six-parter, whatever, are Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler, who much more closely parallel the Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant discussions on this thing. Joel Embiid this season was a uh, was number six on a per game basis. But he played in only fifty one ball games. I'm not even sure I want him in bucket four. Like he's a guy that to me probably ends up getting overdrafted because people saw what he did on a per game basis this last season, and they put too much stock in that. 
but he's never been healthy and he's never been close. It's not like saying Anthony Davis might miss a dozen ball games or Kevin Durant definitely will miss a dozen ball games. With Embiid, you're like, please only miss 15. Please, Lord. Like, he's going to get his days off. Philly's going to make sure that he's healthy come playoff time because they're completely useless without him on the floor uh, in the postseason. And I just, like, as good as he is on a per-game slot, I, I don't, I don't know that he can play more than like 62, 63 games. It could be worse than that. So in all likelihood on our final uh, breakdown here, when we find out that Joel Embiid is getting drafted at like six, we'll probably just move him into bucket five, which kind of assures we won't get him. And honest to goodness, that's okay. I don't think we really want him. So let's mostly call Joel Embiid the beginning of bucket five for this analysis, just just for now. Uh, And we can come back to that later on. The other one I mentioned was Jimmy Butler, who was brilliant this last year, although he, like Joel Embiid, missed 20 ball games. Uh, Butler was ever so slightly better than Embiid overall on the year, which put him at number 10 by totals. Embiid was number 14 by totals. The fact that Butler could miss 20 ball games and still be inside the first round gives me a lot of hope in putting him in bucket four for this coming season, because I think from a health standpoint, this year was about as bad as it could get. Coming off the deep bubble postseason run on a year with COVID, everybody's dinged up, protocols. Protocols are still, by the way, going to be in place, but I think you're going to see, just from a practical standpoint, you're probably going to see enough vaccination in the NBA where if a guy is out for protocols, if it's if they're vaccinated, I don't even think that they have to quarantine after that. If they do, it's for like uh like two days. And then if there's actually a positive test, I, I don't think that like the likelihood is that it goes away quicker. They get their two negatives and they don't have the conditioning stuff that was also keeping these guys out like another week or two weeks. So I think you're going to see fewer missed games from COVID because we do have the widespread vaccination stuff. Um, but it is still going to be a thing that's on the board. So we're not, we can't throw that away entirely. Still, like, without the bu- deep bubble run, without the injuries, with the shorter COVID stuff, Jimmy Butler probably plays more like 69 out of 82 games this coming season at a slightly lower per-game clip than this year. Remember, he was one of the top players in all of fantasy the second half of the season. He was number five per game overall. Put him at like nine per game this year, missing a game or two more than average, and you've got a first-rounder by totals as well. So this bucket four, effectively, the guys that, to me, belong inside the first round. And I know if I move uh, Embiid into bucket five, you're sort of, we're, we're kind of one player short. We've only gone through then 11 players in buckets one, two, three, and four. And that's okay. Because now if, you're, if you have picked 12 and horrible things happen and none of the guys in the first four buckets are on the board for you and you have to go to bucket five, you at least have a choice of where you're looking now and you get to take two guys in a row. I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I feel like the 11 players we've listed right now one of those guys is going to be available at 12, maybe still at 13 if you wanted to go two guys in bucket four back-to-back. You may end up with Paul George and Jimmy Butler, 12 and 13, which of course does hamstring you a little bit from a, hey, I got my two wings standpoint. And at the end of round three or top of round four, you're probably going to need to get a point guard or a center in the mix. But 
a Paul George, Jimmy Butler start to your team would take care of a whole lot of statistical categories. What are you missing there? Blocks? Not much else. Both those guys rebound pretty well. Butler really assists well, and Paul George is going to have a ton of them this year as the, the primary guy on the Clippers all season. Great free throw percent. George hits threes even though Butler doesn't. Butler field goal percent good even though Paul George sort of isn't. They balance each other out. Big time scoring. You could throw Beal in there instead of one of those other two dudes. I don't think Tatum makes it to pick 12, by the way, and I don't think Anthony Davis does either. So that's where we'll put the artificial hold here on episode one of this uh, Dan's Recording One Long Podcast segment of the show. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. This was your Wednesday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Make sure to hop back on with us first thing tomorrow, and we will dive right back in where we left off. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.